0: Welcome to the Writer Experience Podcast. I'm your host, Court Dunn. Join us as we talk to writers about their work, their process, and what it means to be a writer. Welcome to the Writer Experience Podcast. Today's guest is Jonathan Lloyd Walker. Jonathan is a writer, producer, creator, and actor. Most recently, you can see him in the Hollywood features Red, The Thing, uh, the hit Canadian TV series Continuum, and he'll be playing the role of Big John in TNT's Snowpiercer, a futuristic thriller based on the acclaimed 2013 movie by the same name. Jonathan is also the executive producer of Van Helsing and also the executive producer of Wu Assassins, which you can see uh, on Netflix next summer. So as you can see, Jonathan does a lot. Jonathan, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Happy to be here. Happy to have you. Um, thank you for taking the time. Really uh, excited to talk to you because you are both an executive producer and an actor. And those two things are, you have two very important insights into the process of writing. So, um, would love to kind of get your insights on, on both side of things. Absolutely. You're not in LA you're in Vancouver now, right?
1: Yeah. I've been based in Vancouver pretty steadily for the past, uh, six or seven years because I've literally rolled from one project that's been based here to the next. So this is uh, where we put some roots down and, uh, for the foreseeable future where i'll be based
0: and is that home of sci-fi i know that sci-fi shoots a lot in canada is that where they're based or well sci- sci-fi don't really have a base per se here okay. what they do is they um usually
1: get local production companies either here or in calgary where shows like winona earp are shot toronto where shows like killjoys is shot uh and then they will hire them to basically contract uh the series for them on their behalf and that's what is the case here in vancouver it's how we did Van Helsing seasons one and two and, and three, which we've just finished shooting. And, uh, it, you know, they, they've done a lot of work up here in Canada. It's been a good, good place for them.
0: And do you identify as an executive producer or an actor, both? What do you tend to identify as? That's a good question. I, I think it depends on the audience, to be perfectly honest. Sometimes people are
1: confused by hybrids in the business. So if I'm in a situation where I'm out at networks pitching television shows, I usually downplay the acting part of things because that just makes them confused. Uh, and if I'm certainly if I'm in the midst of talking to a director or a producer or a network about a, an acting role, um, you know, it may come up casually in conversation that I also write and produce. But that also can sometimes confuse them because in both those cases, they're looking to hire. Somebody for a specific job, and and they worry. Oh well, do you also want to do the other job at the same time? How are we going to figure that out? So I just usually wear one hat at a time, and occasionally they overlap, but but usually they're 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 single things. But as far as general public interactions, people obviously more more likely to recognize me or know me from my acting
0: work. So that tends to be the the thing that comes up more often. One of our guests had mentioned that it's not enough to just be an actor or to be an executive producer these days to compete. You almost have to do multiple things. Would you say that's true?
1: I think it's definitely advantageous. You know, the the reality is unless you're in the very elite sort of top two or three percent of actors who, you know, are kind of stars or celebrities where they're getting paid multi-million dollar contracts to do projects, um, the rest of the group of actors that exist are all, you know, out there job to job, thing to thing, and, and they don't really have any control over their own fate. If they wear more than one hat and they're also able to write and produce and direct or whatever else then they're just, you know, more involved in the industry. And those things tend to cross pollinate anyway. So one thing leads to another, and you you just have more of a, of a presence in the industry.
0: And what came first as far as your career? Did you start out as an actor? Or were you working in the film industry as a writer or a producer?
1: Well, I, I you know, obviously, I started in school doing two different but related fields, which was I was very interested in creative writing. And I wrote a lot of, you know, short stories and Uh, comics and things like that. And at the same time, I was involved in school plays and got involved in theatrics that way. And it was very interesting, because I originally grew up in England. And when I moved to Canada, some of the first people that I met were, you know, similar in the sense that they kind of loved filmmaking and loved the idea of making projects. And I fell in with a couple of friends, they were some of the first people I met when I moved to Canada from England. Um and we made a film together when we were about 13 and I acted in it and um, another friend of mine wrote and directed it and the other friend shot it and was the cinematographer it just turns out that those friends are Simon Barry who is the executive producer of Continuum and uh, Ghost Wars and a number of other shows and he wrote and directed that little short film when we were 13 and the guy who shot it is Greg Middleton who is the cinematographer for Game of Thrones wow one of them anyway so uh, I was very lucky. I fell in with some super talented people and, and we kind of uh, you know, urged each other along to chase after our dreams. And so it was, I think acting called to me first after high school. I spent more time chasing acting for quite some time, but writing was always part of the equation. I, I always wrote through the midst of all of that. And and then only a few years ago, kind of decided I'm gonna maybe focus more on writing and producing
0: now and maybe you know put acting in the backseat for a while. As far as... Uh kind of first getting involved in the industry did they start first and then you also at the same time were kind of coming up in the industry or did one of you guys leverage the other to help the other how does it work
1: well certainly through our high school years we just stayed it was easy because it wasn't a business for us it was just a, a hobby so we were all equals and we were all just you know having fun making films it was sort of towards the end of high school where both Greg and Simon had decided that they wanted to go to film school. And so they were going to come out to, uh, to Vancouver to go to a very well-known Canadian film school called UBC, University of British Columbia Film School. And so they came out here to study and I did other things. I went off and did my own university elsewhere and, and had different experiences for a few years. And we weren't really in touch um, until I'd gotten back involved with acting and decided to move the first time to Vancouver in the early uh, mid-90s. And I got back in touch with them, and at that point, they were both working in the industry, but they were both working in the camera department. Um, Simon was working as a clapper loader, and Greg was trying to hang out his shingle as a camera operator. And they were both just trying to, you know, make a living. And so I came out here and started to act and make my own living. And we really didn't, um, we couldn't count on each other for work because none of us were at a level where we were hiring people. We were working for others, but we networked and we introduced people to, uh, you know, each other, and and certainly we helped. Each other along as best as we could. And then it wasn't until maybe five or six years ago when everyone was pretty established at what they were doing. I was pretty established as an actor. Greg was doing well as a cinematographer. And Simon had been, you know, in LA for a number of years writing scripts and script doctoring and all this other stuff. And he got a deal for continuum, the first season of continuum. And I was looking to switch hats and get back into writing a bit more. And Simon did legitimately call me up and say, Hey, look, I'm putting a room together for continuum to kind of get the, you know. The, the deal from the network to move forward to series, do you want to come and be part of the writer's room? And so after having done a number of scripts and have had a number of writing gigs in, amongst my acting stuff, I said, yeah, that would be a great great opportunity. So he definitely gave me a leg up there because that started me into pretty much deciding to switch hats and really focus on uh, writing and then eventually producing. And that was directly
0: as a result of Simon opening that door for me. You had been working in acting and then were given this opportunity in the writer's room. Would you say you had experience? Like, where were you at at that point? And how much were you thrown kind of into the water, so to speak?
1: Mm. Well, I'd sold a number of scripts uh, to that point. I'd written uh, the very first scripts that I sold were for a show called The Outer Limits, uh, which was the reboot that MGM did back in the 90s. And so I was very fortunate that that was my jumping off point. Um, I've got that on my own as a writer. And then I had, even though I was acting, I had a writing agent that found me some other little gigs along the way. And I wrote a feature film and I wrote for another series for the Comedy Network. And so I did some things along the way, but I hadn't really been in an intensive writing room, breaking a series from the ground up experience uh, before. And so Simon gave me that opportunity. It was new for me, but... Interestingly enough, it was also new for him because Simon had mostly been a feature writer uh, and, uh, you know, didn't have a lot of background in television. And because of his LA cred, was able to jump straight into executive producing his own television series. And so he was new to it too. So, you know, he put a good room together of some very experienced writers that um, were very helpful to both of us, both for him to learn how to be a showrunner and for me to learn how to really function and uh, and and do well in a in a writing room environment. So we both kind of were new to it when it started.
0: And you also acted in Continuum as well.
1: Yeah, I, I did. I did eventually. I mean, you know, most of the people I worked with knew that I came from this acting background. And, and even though I was trying to switch gears, they, they sort of kept nudging me and going, you got to be in the show. We got to figure out a role for you in the show. And I kept saying, no, 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 no. <laughs> and then eventually it got to a point, I think it was about season Yeah, I think it was the end of season two, and Simon finally convinced me, said, no, 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 you gotta, I want, I want to put you in the show. It's going to be really good to have you in the show. So I, I did, and I stepped in and, and played a role in season two, and then it ended up becoming a, a part that recurred in seasons three and then in season four, much to Simon's pleasure because his greatest uh, joy at the end of season four,
0: this won't be a spoiler for
1: anybody. I don't think that he wanted to kill me in a very spectacular fashion on
0: screen. So he, he did. <laughs> <laughs>
1: it was good. Did
0: you have any say in the writing of that scene or was that completely on him?
1: Uh, well, I knew he was going to try and do something very uh, spectacular. So I just sort of let him let, it let be him have that. Uh, so it was, was a lot of fun to do, though.
0: How did being in the writer's room for the first time feel from a process standpoint uh, compared to the writing you had done, writing scripts? Mm, it's a good question. I mean, most of my writing experience, for the most
1: part, had been very solitary. There'd been a couple of things I'd done with like a writing partner. But most of my work had been spec stuff that I just banged out on my own and delivered um, or I'd been hired as a solitary writer. So, you know, to get into a room experience, I think the interesting thing is finding and learning the balance of what everybody brings to the room, because everybody brings a different skill set if the room has been put together well then every writer has a different sort of take on things and a different way that they work. Some people are very internal and very cerebral, and they wait for specific moments to offer contributions. Other people are very verbal, and they're just constantly throwing out ideas. Other people are more about trying to, you know, work on character and tone. And some people are just all about crafting dialogue. So it was new to me to to see how that collaborative process worked and to just, you know, figure out a way to both contribute, but also to give room to others to contribute as well. And that that's always a good process to learn that because it's such a vital uh, and integral part of a writing room.
0: Two questions here. Which role were you? Were you the more outspoken or were you the more cerebral? And um, how does a room full of different personalities like that ultimately land on a decision? Mm.
1: Uh, well, I, you know from the get-go, I tend to be a bit of an idea machine. So I I take a lot of pride in just Just I verbalize a lot and I I throw a lot of stuff out and I'm not not precious about it. So if the reaction in the room is awesome, that's great, let's do that, fantastic. But if it's like, no, that doesn't work, that's not going to fit, then I'm happy to move on or pitch an alt. So I I like to, my brain sort of works in a constant what if, what if, what if, what if if kind of way. I've learned to temper that a little bit as things have gone along because I want to make sure that I'm not overriding anyone else's ability to pitch in and, and offer stuff. But as far as how a room arrives at decisions collectively, you know, a good showrunner is always an arbiter of the good. So uh, a showrunner's position in a writing room is, is to really, you know, give some guidance, but then sort of let everybody throw their various ideas on the table and then decide which ones appeal to them and, and their particular aesthetic uh, as a showrunner. And the good ones will, will leave room for input and then we will shape that input. And uh, Simon is certainly a great example of somebody who, who has a very deft uh, ability to be able to um, get the best out of a room and to shape it.
0: How many writers are there in a writer's room? You know, you hear that expression a lot, but is it 20? Is it three? Or could it be anywhere in the middle? Well, it, every
1: show is different and every experience is different. I think a lot of it has to do with two very important factors. Well, three very important factors. One is budget. So obviously, you know, um, a show with a small budget is not going to be able to hire as many people. that's just, you know, basic economics. Two is how many episodes have been ordered um, for that show. If you're doing a, you know, if you're doing a show that's got a 23 episode season order, um, you, you need to have a bunch of people in the room to help craft those scripts. It's difficult for a small group to crank out that volume of scripts. And the other one is, is time scale. Um, if you've been thrown into a room and they've told you, boy, we expect to go to camera in two and a half months. So you guys better get busy with scripts. You need more bodies to just get through that. Even if it's a 10 episode, uh, season order, you need more people to make that kind of time scale work. So it's always different. Um, on average, the, my experience is there's usually somewhere between five and 10 people in a room, more than 10. It does get to a place where there's just too many voices. Um, less than five. It's just the workload is sometimes a bit tricky unless it's a really limited series order, like a six episode series. So yeah, ideally somewhere between six, five, five to 10 is probably the better number.
0: And did your acting experience inform the decisions and the ideas that you had in the writer's room?
1: Well, it certainly made me a lot more interested in ensuring that characters had layers that even secondary characters had names and had backgrounds. Um, you know, I, I always feel like whenever an actor steps into a situation and sees that they're reading for cop number five, uh, they're immediately gonna go, Well, that's just somebody who's at signpost. They're a right. signpost character. They're basically just going to point out a piece of information. I like to try and, if it's possible, give that character a name, um, try and figure out if there's an, an attribute about them, personality trait about them, to try and just elevate them a little bit more off the page. So certainly as an actor, I'm always trying to find interesting things for actors to be able to play or do with the characters, whether they're big parts or small parts.
0: And from your experience working at Continuum, is that how you kind of ended up working as an executive producer? Or did you kind of go the acting route after that and then eventually come back around well, when I when I switched into
1: focusing more on the writing and the producing, I mean, um, I had just come off of doing two back to back features. I'd just done uh, the Thing, uh, the re- the reboot of the Thing, and I'd also done um, Red. And at, at the same time, in between those two projects, I'd acted um, on uh, an episode of Smallville or two episodes of Smallville. So. I was still very much in the sphere of acting, and when this opportunity with Simon for Continuum came along, he kind of said, but, you know, I'm going to need you full-time for probably six months, so you can't act. And I was like, okay, well, that kind of makes my mind up for me. I'm just going to focus on the writing. And that kind of began a trajectory, and, and what, what often happens is when you're in a television writing room, there is inherently, as you climb the ladder of the positions within the room, there becomes more of a producing responsibility in your duties. Uh, And what I mean by that is you just end up having to be on set and be involved in pre-production meetings to figure out how to solve logistical problems and budgetary issues uh, and how to write for certain problems. And that's just a producing component to the job. And the more you do and the more experience you gather, um, the more your credit reflects the amount of producing that's involved in your your job. So as you climb up towards co-EP and executive producer um you're you're just being given more uh responsibility and 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 more you know uh control over the finished product basically
0: and uh using Van Helsing as an example as an executive producer, how did you get that role? Did you pitch that show? like how did you get that as an example?
1: uh well, that was a show um there's an interesting sort of background of that I'll try to give you the brief version of it. The show was originally pitched um as a Uh, you know, basically a four-page pitch um, to uh, sci-fi. And sci-fi were interested in in doing it but didn't feel like the creative material was quite there. So they wanted to put a team of people together. And one of the people they wanted to work with was the uh, New York uh, playwright and filmmaker, Neil Labute, um, better known for sort of some of his more acerbic, character-based, relationship-based plays and, and films. But they thought he'd bring an interesting take to a vampire. Story. So he got involved, and then as the room got put together, um, again this was a situation where Simon was instrumental in me getting this job because Simon was hired to basically help Neil to learn how to be a showrunner because Neil had never showrun before either. And so when we all then I got hired as a result of Simon. He said, I, "You know, I, I know a guy who, who's great with uh, helping shape uh, a world and bringing a show to life. He did it for me for Continuum. I'm sure he can do it for you for Van Helsing." So I got involved right at the beginning and we basically had the task of we had to break, you know, um, what the show was so that the network would say, okay, great. Well, then we're going to commit and and do this. Um, And so that was, again, from the ground up, breaking a series. And uh, uh, when I started out on that show, um, I was the co-EP, which is sort of the second tier below the executive producers and the showrunner. And so my job was just to help bang out the actually finding out what the show was and, you know, giving it some shape. Did you act as well
0: in Van Helsing?
1: No. Again, they approached me they approached <laughs> a couple of times to act in it. Um, and, uh, you know, part of why I said no wasn't, wasn't a bit an ego-based thing or, you know, a size of the role type thing. It was more that I was really trying to make a concentrated effort to focus on the writing and the producing and, and climb the ladder um, as best as I could and, and to be of value to production in those capacities. And I just felt that taking on an acting role on the show, um, it would just be, it would dilute that a little bit. And sometimes also the crew who come to understand your role as being a writer-producer they also get confused right. if all of a sudden you're showing up in wardrobe and makeup and you're, <laughs> you're in front of the camera. You know, they, they've seen it before. Some of them have seen it before. But it just sometimes dilutes the effectiveness of your role of being sort of in charge of things. And so I've, I've largely pushed away these opportunities. And, and I didn't do anything in Van Helsing. And I have, haven't
0: done anything in Wu Assassins and probably, probably won't. You mentioned uh, Wu Assassins. Wu Assassins is coming up next summer uh, on Netflix. You're executive producing two shows. How do you do it? How do you manage? Is it you work on one and then when that wraps, then you'll move on to the other? Were you working on both at the same time? How do you balance both?
1: Yeah, I've been, you know, I've been incredibly lucky. I mean, you know, it's been kind of gig to gig for me for a few years now. Uh, Van Helsing Season 3 is what airs is October 5th. So we finished shooting that. We shot it from uh, February uh, 2008 until the end of June 2018, sorry, 2018. So that's been, you know, the first six months of this year were spent uh, on set with Ben Helsing, a few months before that in the writer's room. But once i wrapped up with Ben Helsing in June, I didn't have other responsibilities. So I went straight on to writing just an individual episode for a friend of mine's show. Uh, it's a Canadian television series that hasn't premiered yet, so I can't really talk about it. But I wrote an episode of that in my downtime. And while I was doing that and helping him with his show, um I got this call about Wu Assassins and about whether I would want to come and be available to do Wu Assassins. It didn't start shooting until uh August, so I had an abundant amount of time to do uh to to get on board. The irony being even though I've been kind of not doing a lot of acting, I did do in my free time last year a pilot for TNT for the Snowpiercer. We did a version of the pilot last year. And um I didn't know whether it was gonna go or not go. And it turned out that it was gonna go at the exact same time as Wu Assassins. So I thought, oh, I don't know if I can do both. But fortunately, the producers of, of Snowpiercer and the producers of Wu Assassins were basically able to work out a deal where I, I'm doing both at the same time, which is a little bit crazy making. Wu shoots until the end of November and Snowpiercer goes until the middle of January. Um, and I kind of bounce between
0: the two as, as I'm needed. So it's a bit of an odd set of circumstances. And in Snowpiercer, you're acting only or you're involved from a producer standpoint as well? I'm only I'm only acting. Only in acting. That, yeah, I'm just acting in that one. But uh, uh, yeah, it's
1: a it's a bit of a strange thing, because as I said, I kind of had walked away a little bit from acting. But when this came around for me last year, it was one of those opportunities where I thought, well, it sounds like a really cool project. And maybe I can figure out a way to make it work. So anyway, it's it just so happened that it, it came
0: together. And how did that come about? Did you hear about it, and and uh, someone said, "Hey, audition for this," or how did that exactly kind of go down?
1: Well, I have, um, you know, as many actors do. I've got agents and managers, and um, even though I kind of put that all, that all on the back burner a few years ago, every once in a while, my manager in LA will get a hold of me and try and bait the hook you know try and say oh my god there's this project and there's these people involved and they they're interested in you and could you would you like to maybe put the acting hat back on for a little while and a lot of times i say no 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 i'm busy i'm busy i'm busy and it just so happened that the pilot for snowpiercer the original pilot that we did for snowpiercer last year i was just in a space of i had free time and i was like okay well I, uh, this would be fun i'll go do this so uh, i did have to audition for it i it, it wasn't flat out offered to me um, I read for the part and I didn't hear anything much about it for a few weeks. And then eventually it came back around and they said, yep, yeah, they want you for it. And um, so I went in and we shot that pilot. But that one was an odd set of circumstances because uh, a lot of money spent on the original pilot. It had an, a, a, sh- a very well esteemed um, showrunner, um, a guy called uh, Josh Friedman. And he was involved, uh, he's been involved in writing the Avatar sequels so and also with Sarah the Sarah Connor Chronicles uh Terminator franchise from a few years ago very well-heeled uh writer and it was being directed by Scott Derrickson who did Doctor Strange for Marvel and so it was a really good team so um I was able to work on that but then the strange thing was is that series looked like it was a slam dunk it was going to go forward and then in the early part of this year um Josh got fired from the project Uh, which sometimes happens. Networks, showrunners don't always see eye to eye and um, Josh left the project. And so at that point I thought, oh, maybe it's never coming back. But then they moved on and they hired a new showrunner, Graham Manson, who did Orphan Black. Um, And a new director came in to reshoot the pilot. And lo and behold, although I didn't have an option to come back and it wasn't guaranteed to come back, they called and asked me if I wanted to come back and be part of the show again. Um, And again, it just so happened that it, Landed at a time when Wu Assassins hadn't y- yet happened. And so I said, sure, I'll do it. And then as fate would be a day later, I got a call from my uh, writing agent saying, oh, well, Wu Assassins wants you to <laughs> write and produce that show. So then and then we just went into the weirdness of trying to negotiate whether we could do both and, and
0: how we would make that work. So here you are, uh, you know, on set of um, Snowpiercer and, you know, just like acting informed you and the writers from before did you find yourself when you're looking at like the lines that you're reading like someone else is writing those for you is that a little weird what does that feel like
1: you know yeah it's sort of a it's a little bit weird but it's not really uncommon because that was my job back when I was only mostly writing was to just interpret the words that were written on the page and to not question it too much and to you know Execute the, the job of an actor. Now it's different only because I know so much of the mechanics that go on behind the scenes of the writing room and of the produ- producing job and of of show running that I'm I'm looking at it from a different perspective, and I sometimes understand the subtext or the you know the hidden layer of, of things. Um, and sometimes I just let that drift by. I'm just sort of like, okay, I think I see what they're doing there, but you know, it's, that's all that I need to know about it. And occasionally, I'll at least ask if I'm curious about something. Um, From a writing producing standpoint, Um, because I'm always trying to learn. And and I think every every opportunity, even if you've got a lot of experience, every opportunity to work with a new person is going to bring new insight. So uh, I've been very fortunate, uh, both with Josh, who is the original showrunner, and with Graham, who's the current showrunner. They're very open, they're very, you know, collaborative, and, and they've been very good at, um, answering questions and giving me insight. And they both knew that I also write and produce. So I think they know that I've got a little bit of an inside track to what they're up to. So it's, it's just a good, it's a good perspective to come at acting from because you just, you understand the mechanics a little bit
0: better. And do you walk away feeling like, you know, inspired and, and ready to, okay, now when I go on to the next project as a writer or an EP, you know, I have all this new insight. I'm, I'm, I'm ready to go. Like I have new ideas. Or is it kind of just, okay, this is what I expected, or?
1: Well, I think, you know, as it goes along, as much as I still enjoy acting, it's still a good process for me. Um, but I much prefer at this stage in my career, um, the control and the input of being a writer producer, you're more invested, um, in the entirety of a project as an actor, you're, you know, a piece of, of the equation in terms of executing what's on the page. But you're not really involved in getting the show up and on its feet. So I, I do I am finding myself now the acting is just providing more fuel to wanna write and, and create and
0: produce and and uh you know be be more hands-on. So you've got the show coming out um uh, for Snowpiercer, uh Wu Assassins, as you mentioned, and Van Helsing, all these things are coming out. Where's your mind at there? Are you like, okay, that's great, but what's the next thing? Is that kind of where you're at now?
1: Well, I think, yeah, you always I don't think as a writer, you can ever let the grass grow under your feet. You have to constantly be in motion because any show at any point in time can get canceled. Um, You know, creative decisions can be made. You can end up getting fired from a project. Um, So you can never count on, uh, you know, that a show is going to go eight, nine, 10, 12 seasons, and that's all you're ever going to need to do. So, And the other thing is, is, is it what you want to do? Do I want to do 12 seasons of a show? Maybe, maybe I'm going to get bored of the, of the, the, you know, the playground or the sandlot of that particular idea. Maybe I want to broaden it out into something else. So you're always thinking about what's next for you. And certainly there's two different types of writers. There are writers that are very happy to just be employed on someone else's show. And, and to a certain extent, I am. Um, but there's also writers where you get to the point where you're executive producing that you really want to be able to create your own project that is exclusively yours that you're not being brought in as a hired gun you're 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 seeing through your whole creative vision, and that very much is what's next for me so there's several of my own projects that are percolating at various stages in various places and 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 hopefully, as we move forward in the next year or two, it'll be my opportunity to get my own show going and and uh,
0: and have that experience so and obviously you've done all these things so far and all at the same time, are there other careers that you've been curious to try? I mean, I feel like you're, you're thriving on multiple kind of different roles. Now, have you thought about writing a novel or, uh, you know, writing a comic book, something like that? Mm.
1: I think, uh, I, I think, you know, it's an important thing to know what you're, what you're capable of and what might be too much. And, right. and for me right now, to take on a new arena, like novel or comic book or play or something like that, I think it would probably be a bridge too far. Those would be their own unique skill set that I would need to spend some time honing and, and developing. And I, I just don't have the freedom uh, to do that. The, the more likely one that will probably come in the next few years, because it's often offered to showrunners, is the opportunity to direct. Um, and certainly down the road, that would be something I would be interested in doing. I've, I've learned a hell of a hell of a lot about the directing process from working with some super talented directors, but also again, from being on set and being in the capacity that I work, I have to help to execute, um, the day's work and to make sure that we get the scenes that we need. And if we're running low on time to figure out ways to, you know, still get scenes and simplify shots or change blocking and. So the idea of directing is, is interesting to me because it's a skill that I think would build upon what I already have in the world of TV. And so at some point down the road,
0: um, that's something that I would be willing to take on. Did you want to talk a little bit about what we can expect, um, I guess, first from Van Helsing season three, and then also with Assassins, I would love to hear about those projects. Absolutely. Well, I'll start with Van Helsing because it's the one that's
1: sort of imminently coming out season three. I think, you know, the interesting thing about the writing process with shows is that if you're lucky enough to get multiple seasons of a show, I think you can end up getting better at knowing what your show is and what makes it work well. And I think in season three, for those people who've seen the show, we really upped our game in season three. I think we've made... And this may sound just like I'm being, you know, uh, good at marketing, and that's not the case. It, 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 we've made a better show in season three than I think we were able to accomplish in season one or season two. I think there's, there's so much rich storytelling, and we really used all of our resources and put every penny of the show on the screen. I'm super proud of season three. I think um, it breaks some new ground for the show, and uh, there's a lot of really great plot and character stuff that unfolds. So I'm very excited for, you know, the audience to see that and for for us to hear some reactions on that. Wu Assassins is a really unique piece of storytelling because it's this really cool hybrid between Chinese Kung Fu style um, stuff with some mythology and some bit of science fiction-y stuff mixed in with it. But it's present day, set in San Francisco, present day. Basically, about a young man who comes to understand that he has this ancient legacy that he didn't know anything about, and that there are these Chinese, um, almost demon like martial artists that are hiding in plain sight, and that he is tasked with being responsible for this multi generational legacy of tracking these characters down and, and getting rid of them and controlling them. And um, so it's this really artful blend of some amazing fight choreography. We've got um, Iko Ue uh, starring in the series. You may know him from The Raid. Uh, he was most recently in uh, Mile 22 with Mark Wahlberg, uh, an amazing martial artist and actor, uh, somebody who is capable of doing all of his own stunt work. Um, and so that enables us to show fights in levels of detail that I've never, I've never been able to pull off before on any show I've worked on because we've never had somebody of his skill level. And uh, Catherine Winnick is also starring in it, who a lot of people may know from the series Vikings. And um, there's a a really deep uh, pool of talented actors working on this show. So it's both rich from a character and story point of view, and it is uh, really remarkable from a stunt action point of view. John Worth is the showrunner. John Worth most recently did Hell on Wheels for AMC. And so it's just a it's a deep
0: project. There's going to be a lot of a lot of fun to be had for the audience with that one. Awesome. I know we talked about um, looking at writing from an actor's perspective. Let's say for your project with Snowpiercer, when you're on the set, are you script ready? What's the process for you know getting the script, getting those lines down, getting into character?
1: Well, the process I think is pretty uniform for most actors on television. You get the script. Um, you know, usually the earlier draft of the script that you get is maybe a week or two weeks before you start shooting the episode. In this case, they're doing what's called block shooting, which means they shoot two episodes, um, during the same period of time, uh, only so that they can use sets, you know, that appear in two episodes. They'll shoot on those sets at the same time to get all those scenes before they move on to other locations. Um, but you get your script, you know, you start to look at what your character has to do in the episode or episodes. Um, start to plan and start to think about, you know, um, the lines and internalize that. But with TV, there's always revisions that are coming. So, you know, the writers and the showrunner are always changing things based upon a whole variety of reasons. It Could be that they have come up with a new idea that they want to implement in the script. It could be a location they were planning on using isn't available or, you know, a character that they want to use is otherwise booked and they can't use them. So they're always changing the scripts. You have to keep track of those. And then basically, as you get close to the shooting day, you know what scenes you're going to be shooting um, on that day. And you just make sure that you're prepared and memorized with your lines. And and then when you get to set, after you've gone through the process of hair makeup and wardrobe, you go to set. And it's usually a private blocking with the director uh, and a few key um, people and you work the scene and figure out, you know, who's going to go where and who's going to move where and, and, you know, get the nuts and the bolts of the scene together. And then the crew come in and look at it and then they set up and they light it and then you film it. So from an actress point of view, it's about understanding the intent of the writers for that script and for your character, uh, and making sure that you're prepared uh, for the day to do the, do the work you need to do and have
0: your lines, uh, you know, ready and made your choices. That's kind of the, the process. How much freedom do actors have uh, in that process? Uh, obviously, the words are written. Uh, would the you know, director or the, the showrunner be upset if you were to get a little uh, improvisational with the dialogue? Or you know, where do you draw that line?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. There's, there's different scenarios. So I'll just sort of give you some, the kind of the, the, the extreme ends of them. So there are absolutely shows where the showrunner gives instructions that there is no changes to be made. The script is the script. They've worked on it. There's been an opportunity for actors to give notes at an earlier stage of things. If they're not sure of something or they question something, those notes will either be implemented or they won't. But they're very, very specific about you will do the words as written. So a great example would be Matthew Wiener, who did uh, um, Mad Men. Uh, He was very specific about you don't change a word. Um, An actor's job then is to come in and and find a justification for all of those words and say them as they're written. Other um, showrunners are a little bit more elastic in the sense that they want good ideas to still have room to be implemented no matter how late in the process it is. So when we were on Van Helsing, for an example, Neil um, is a lot uh, more open to the idea of collaborating with the cast. And so we would sometimes get into a blocking situation right as we're about to shoot something, sort of figuring it out. And an actor might come up with a suggestion for a line change, or Neil, or one of us, um, as writers, would say, "Hey, boy. Well, what if we didn't think about this earlier? But what if this happened, or this person said this?" We would often change things on the day. Um, and so there's different examples as far as actors just wildly improvising. You, you try not to do that because the important technical aspect of things is that everybody's prepared to shoot what they've planned to shoot. So, for instance, if there's two people in a scene and you're both mic'd. And the sound mixer is expecting me to finish a line and then you to start on the last word of the line that I just spoke. If I suddenly riff and add another three lines to that, they've already cued me down and there are microphones up on the other actor. Right. So then they have to scramble to figure out what's going on. And it throws everything off. Same with cameras. If they were planning to pan off of me saying my line and then you know pan over and pick somebody else up saying their line, if I'm still talking, then they're not on me and they're not getting that on camera. So You have to be mindful of the process and and know who you're working with and what works best for the technical side of things.
0: As an actor, when you uh, have a script and you're looking at the writing, especially as someone who has written yourself, do you find that no matter what you're going to make the most out of that script and that story? Or do you find yourself, can it be challenging if maybe you're not as passionate about what they wrote? Does that affect you or you as an actor are like, I'm going to just do my job and get it done?
1: Well, you know, I think at the end of the day, it's the same with really with any job. If, if you've been hired to do a job, whether you like, you know, the specifics of the job or whether you have questions about it or whatever, at the end of the day, your job is to execute the job you've been given. So look, there's been, I can tell you for sure, there's actors that end up on projects. I've ended up on them myself at times where you think, oh, this isn't very well written or I don't like the way this is going or my character doesn't have very much to do. You could be sulky and try and, you know, uh, not do a good job, but then, That's not helping the production and and it's not fulfilling your obligations. So you always try to find a passion and an excitement about whatever it is that you need to do and try and make the best of it that you can. And every once in a while, you get in these glorious positions where the the work on the page is so good that you just get to enjoy the process of making it your own and, and putting all of that in that you can. But, you know, all actors should come to the table, no matter how big or small the role, no matter how good
0: or bad the writing and try and do the best job they possibly can. It's, it's what they're hired for. Do you have any specific examples of, of those moments you just described that are that kind of beautiful moment of as an actor acting with great writing?
1: Yeah, I, you know, I've, I've been very lucky. I've, I've been in a number of those sorts of situations. Um, you know, one great example would be probably a decade or so ago, uh, I was able to be on an actor on the series The West Wing. And obviously, when you're dealing with writers of the level that were on that yeah, show, you're you in very rare air in terms of, boy, you almost, you, you're almost intimidated as an actor by how eloquently and beautifully those words are written. So it's just a joy to be able to, to come in and do that kind of work. And in other situations, it's, it's, you know, you're working with a group of people where just the experience of, of saying the words is incredible. Uh, you know, when I did the film... Shooter about a decade ago, got to work with Antoine Fuqua, who's an amazing director, definitely an actor's director, and a great cast of of really toothy performers. And boy, we we just being in in that environment, it's like playing tennis with you know the best tennis players in the world. You all of a sudden feel better about playing, even if you're not as good as they are. (laughs) (laughs) Feel like, oh my God, this is I'm you know this is my version of Wimbledon. So I I definitely have had those opportunities, and they're, they're pretty. Spectacular when they come along.
0: One day uh, in the future, you mentioned you will ultimately be a showrunner. Um, and we talked about those varying kind of rules and how much uh, wiggle room do you leave for uh, improvisation, that kind of thing. And which would you choose from your perspective? And how would you choose to ride and and showrun with the actors in mind?
1: Mm, it, it's, again, it's a really good question because I think coming from the background that I've come from, I, I want the input. Of the actors, uh, I've hired them to be the guardians of those characters. They're they're the embodiment of those people that I put on the page, and they're the ones that are going to make them three dimensional. So I do want to hear from them. But here's where it's really important as a showrunner to not get seduced into the idea of just ha- letting actors have complete free reign. The problem with that is, is that logistically, you've only got a certain number of hours in a given day of production to be able to get the scenes you need to get. And there's a huge number of moving parts to that. All the crew that are involved and what's the weather doing that day? Have there been any technical glitches? You've got to keep moving along. And so you can't be indulgent enough to just say, hey, let's completely rewrite the scene right here. And now let's spend two hours just kind of just improvising our way through the scene and changing it all. Because everyone's come prepared to shoot what's on the page. So I think you have to give yourself a little bit of room to play and give actors some input, but you also have to be disciplined about making sure that you, you get your day. Because if you run out of time at the end of the day and you can't finish your scene work, then you've got a,
0: you've got a big problem. As far as the directing side, you said that you know, you'd like to do that as well from a directorial standpoint. What's the greatest achievement you would hope to accomplish? Well, I think,
1: you know, I, I think for me the idea of being able to direct a script of a show that I've created, um, would be a pretty unique opportunity because then you're kind of touching all the bases in terms of the full creative vision of a show. You know, I, I, I'm reminded of certain showrunners who, in order to sell the idea or, or make sure that the tone and style of the show is what they had in mind when they wrote it on the page, they've ended up you know, being the director of the pilot of the first episode of their, their show. Um, I know that was the case, uh, with breaking bad. Um, you know, and I think that's a dream, but I don't know that you step into that the first time that you're show running, because there's enough of a, of a demand and a responsibility as showrunner to make sure that you're just doing that job. Well, that you don't also want to take on the directing straight away, but at a certain point to direct something that I've
0: written would be great. And, you know, looking at your career now, obviously, like we said, you've got a lot going on, you're very accomplished. Um, what. Would you say, as at this point in your career, as far as words of wisdom for a writer or an actor, is there one thing you'd say? Well,
1: I, I think, and it applies to both fields, I think that you have to be incredibly driven and disciplined about continuing to push yourself and to learn and to grow and to take advantage of every opportunity that's given to you because no one ever gets handed this. It, you know, it's very rare to be in a situation where unearned, you're just given a great opportunity. Um, so much of acting is, you know, this is, sounds a bit cliche, but so much of acting an actor's job more often than not is, is trying to get work, not actually doing the work. So they spend so much time rehearsing, they spend so much time in scene study, they spend so much time auditioning for jobs that they don't end up booking that the actual work part where they get to be on set and in front of the camera is a tiny part of what they do. And so the rest is very much in their control to work their craft, to be disciplined about it, to try and always to learn and improve, never believe that they know more than they do. Uh, and even if they know a lot, be prepared to learn some more. And that is a work ethic that I think every actor should have. And I think it goes for writing too. You can't claim to be a writer or, or that you're ready for an opportunity unless you've really been working on understanding and honing your craft. And, and writers write. And there's lots of procrastination involved. There's lots of times where you feel blocked or you know you feel like you're not worthy or not good enough. But writers write. I can remember early in my writing career, I would often call my agent up and go, hey, nothing's happening for me. Why aren't you calling me with opportunities to go and get hired on jobs? And she said, well, what are you doing to write material that I can send to people to show them that you're a good writer? And I was like, oh, right. You can't just market me on the basis of what I've done i have to continually be showing you what i'm capable of now so writer's right and you have to continue to work and push and have a good uh drive and it'll take you places
0: wow are you ready for what we call a series of seemingly random questions absolutely uh so the first one uh is tailored to you your twitter bio says that your location is not vancouver but rivendell and Alderon. Would you say you're a bigger Lord of the Rings fan or a Star Wars fan?
1: Oh, God. That's why I said I'm between the two because I'm torn. If I had to do like a trivia question competition, I probably would do better on the Star Wars one than on the Lord of the Rings one. Okay. But um, I, I love both worlds. Uh, and they, they were a big part of what you want to be in this business in the first place. When I saw Star Wars as a kid, it was about the same time as I was starting to read The Hobbit. And uh, those two things shaped my path
0: in life would you ever direct a star wars movie i mean there's so much pressure on those directors ryan johnson's example would you ever take on the reins and take on the challenge
1: uh, you know i don't i don't think that I, I don't think i'll ever do more than probably dabble at directing i don't know that it's ever been the focus and i think to pull off something of that scale with those kinds of stakes it has to be everything that you want to do you have to be like absolutely designed to direct and so no i think
0: i will i will leave that to those that are more uh clear about their, <laughs> their <career. laughs> Fair, Fair answer, fair answer. Uh, next up, if you could have dinner with any writer, living or dead, who would you choose and why? Um,
1: that is a real catchy off-guard question. I think, you know what, actually, I'll tell you who I think it would be. I, I, I'm intrigued by the mind of, of Kafka. Um, such a, a strange and unique um, perspective on writing. And he, writing the kind of style of books and short stories that nobody in his era were, was writing. Um, and still, you know, you go back and read The Metamorphosis now, it's still as jarring and off putting in our present day society as it was in his. And so to get inside the mind of somebody who was com- a complete vanguard, like somebody completely ahead of their time writing material that I, I don't know how it landed in, in his era, but. That would be an interesting person to unpack their process.
0: Next up, what is something about your career or your work or acting or writing, that nobody knows?: Something that nobody knows.
1: Um, well OK, that's, uh, that's easier than you might think. Early in my career, um, trying to make opportunities for myself, there were a number that I wrote that I submitted as samples that got made but with not without my name on it, um, in other words, stolen. Um, and I can't name what they are because I don't want to invoke any kind of litigation or any kind of big public you know, uh, issue, but there were certainly things there was. I can remember being flown down to L.A. early in my career. I'd written a spec for a particular show, and, uh, and it had opened some doors for me, and I'd been flown down to meet with the showrunners. Um, there were two of them. And I went and sat in their offices uh, on the, uh, I won't even say which lot it was, but one of the studio lots in LA. And uh, they walked me through the whole show and they said, hey, pitch us some ideas. I pitched them three episodes, two of which I'd worked really, really hard on, uh, both of which ended up being produced, but without me having written them or being given any kind of credit. So that's something that unfortunately nobody knows, but is it true unfortunate, sometimes part of this business.
0: Wow. And I think that's it for our random questions. Um, Normally, I would ask you what you want to plug, but we know that Van Helsing Season 3 is coming up, and Wu Assassins as well uh, in the summer. With that being said, did you want to plug anything else, or maybe your Twitter handle, how people can kind of find you, or anything you want to say?
1: Uh, Well, you know, I I think... You've done a great job of plugging the stuff that's coming up. <laughs> Snowpiercer also will, will premiere on TNT sometime, I'm thinking late spring, early summer next year. They haven't given that a date yet either, but watch for that. Um, my Twitter handle, J underscore L underscore Walker um and uh, com is my website and other than that um any aspiring writers out there that are you know plugging away at it and feeling maybe a minor bit of discouragement keep going because uh good work will find uh you in places it will get you places and and
0: take you places so just keep working well thank you jonathan really appreciate that super insightful to hear both, like I said, your executive producing experience, your acting experience, everything in between. really feel like this one felt really quick. So maybe for Wu Assassins, when that's coming out, we get you back on. Always happy to chat with you. It would be my pleasure. Well, Jonathan, thank you again uh, for taking the time. And uh, thanks to our listeners. We hope to see you again next week. Thank you so much for listening to The Writer Experience. If you enjoyed the episode today, please leave a rating, a review, and a comment on iTunes. You can also check us out on Instagram at Writer Experience and Twitter and Facebook at Writer EXP. The Writer Experience is a Samurai Dinosaur production. Copyright 2018. All rights reserved. Music by Kevin McLeod.